As uh, all of you saw, there will be a game day at uh, my house in a few weeks, and um, that's very appropriate because I like to play games. Even better than playing games is winning games. Um, I have a starting slide. Uh, I don't know how many of you played Monopoly. It's, it's about as popular of a game as a game goes. So, Show of hands, who played Monopoly? All right, that yeah, looks pretty close to 100% there. Um, I looked it up this morning out of curiosity. The game started, uh, was invented or first sold in 1935. Uh, that becomes important because uh, anybody remembers how much money you start with the beginning of Monopoly. 1500. Yeah, 1500 Somebody played Monopoly recently enough to tell me. $1,500. In um, 1935, that would probably be around $30,000. Right? So $30,000. So now you're sitting for a nice game with your friend, uh, Noad, uh, to play a game of Monopoly, and you get your $30,000. And you find out that this is real $30,000. And you have a choice. You could play the game, or you could walk away with $30,000 and go buy a car or whatever it is you want with it. What do you do? <clears throat> I would take the $30,000. <laughs> I mean, you know, playing a board game is nice, but uh, at the end of the game, everything goes back in the box, right? And you walk away with nothing, right? Um, there's an application for that today. <clears throat> uh, as believers, uh, we have uh, resources in this world. Uh, you, you may have some money in a bank account. You have a car. You may have a house. Um, you have uh, time, 24 hours a day. Uh, you could use it, you can use that uh, for this world, right? To, to be uh, successful in this world, to have fun in this world. Or uh, you could use it beyond this world. I think we call it, sometimes we use the expression to think outside the box. And, and what people mean by that is, um, we need to come up with a solution for a problem. And usually we have some assumptions, right? And that those assumptions kind of contain us in a box, right? And we, are, we may not come up with a solution. If we think outside the box, get rid of your assumptions, you might be able to come up with ideas, new solutions you haven't thought before. We don't want to think outside the box. We want to live outside the box, right? We want to live a life that has uh, a value beyond this world, right? And that's what uh, Peter will encourage us to do in this passage. How do we live outside the box? So turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 4, and we'll cover verses 7 through 11 today. 1 Peter chapter 4. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. 
And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. What are keys? What are keys to living a life outside the box? Uh, first, uh, Peter tells us the end of all things is at hand. So you want to recognize uh, that the game can be over at any moment, right? And when I say the game, in this case, we're talking about the world. The world, as we know it, can end at any time. Uh, we opened the meeting with the song, He'll Come. Why do we say he'll come? Because he said that he will, right? And he says this too. This is in 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Uh, nothing in this world will survive when the Lord comes back. Right? He says all these things will be dissolved. Uh, that includes uh, the heavens, includes the earth, all the works, uh, your house, your car, your money will be gone. Now, praise the Lord, as believers, we can anticipate that when the Lord returns, he'll first come back for his church, we'll be raptured. So we won't be here when the world gets destroyed, but effectively it's the same thing. All my stuff on earth will be gone, as far as I'm concerned, when I go to heaven, right? So it will have no value for me. Everything is going to go back in the box. And this can happen at any moment. That's what Jesus meant, and, and Peter too, when he said, uh, the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. It's unexpected. When is someone going to come and rob your house, Nick? You don't know, <laughs> right? Probably when you least expect it, right? They're good in trying to figure out when you're not going to be at home. Uh, it'll be like a thief because when the Lord comes, he'll take everything away. Praise the Lord, he came into this world to save our souls so we can be with him in heaven forever. So I'm not going to be sad about losing my car and my house and other things, right? But for those who possess their things, or rather their things possess them, right, they will feel that the Lord is like a thief because he will come and take it all away. So first thing we need to understand is the Lord is coming back and all these things will be gone. Um, and it can happen at any time. There is nothing the Bible says needs to happen before he comes back. Right? That's what it means he's at hand. It's the next event in God's plan of redemption is for the Lord Jesus to come back. It can happen at any moment. Uh, second, we need to uh, 
I don't know the correct word for this, uh, call in the power to allow us to leave outside the box. Uh, I have a picture that might go with that. So uh, here we are. You know, it uh, could be a picture taken from Iraq or Afghanistan or, or almost any, any uh, uh, field of battle. Uh, there's, there's two soldiers in the picture. Which of the soldier would you say has the greater power? Which of the soldiers has the greater power? You know me, so you know it's a trick question, right? <laughs> right? One of them has a gun, right? I mean, he looks like, you know, this guy can do some real damage, okay? The other one has, you know, what looks like a walkie-talkie, right, or, or radio. But with the radio, he could be ordering an airstrike, right, on a, on a target, you know, take out a tank, take out a platoon of soldiers, take out a bridge, right? I mean, the guy with the walkie-talkie, if he's talking to, to a plane or a dispatcher of a plane, he's got a lot of power at his hand. Now, why am I talking about that? So it says in verse 7, uh, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. So some of you, I'm sure, are familiar with uh, the concept of the armor of God. So this comes from Ephesians chapter 6, right, when we're told that we should put on the armor of God, the full armor of God. And it goes through our, if you would, um, spiritual armor that we have to help us live the Christian life. It talks about uh, the breastplate of righteousness, right, the, the, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace having the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, right? And you go on and on down the list, and at the end, it, it mentions prayer. But prayer has no equivalent weapon in the armor of a Roman soldier. So Paul never tells us what prayer is equivalent for. This wasn't my idea. There was a a gentleman I met with once that was discipling me, and um, he suggested that if Paul went through the armor of God in our days, he would probably compare prayer to an airstrike or something we called an ICBM, intercontinental ballistic missile, <laughs> right? Because, because I can... I can call it anywhere, right? I can be anywhere, and I can, I can point, if I was the guy with the radio, and this missile or airplanes comes out of practically nowhere and will destroy the target, right? And it's like prayer, because I can pray at any time for anything, and I'm bringing the power of God to bear on that particular area of need that I see, right? So kind of like an airstrike or... ICBM, and, and so Peter tells us to be serious and watchful in our prayers. Serious, why? Because we're talking about a lot of power, right? When you're talking about engaging the power of God with something, you should be serious. Prayer shouldn't be flippant. I am talking to the creator of the universe, and I'm asking him to get engaged in a particular issue that I am seeing, right? 
And I should be watchful like that soldier over there and look for opportunities on the field. Okay, I see an exposed tank or a group of tanks. This would be an ideal opportunity for an airstrike to come and take those guys out. I need to be ready. So as I go through my day, and this is part of my life, and it is part of your life, we come across spiritual problems. It could be in my life, like I'm wrestling with something, Lord, I need your help now. Right? And I'm calling in that airstrike to come in and take care of the problem. Or another believer, or an unbeliever, that I know has certain you know, issues going on in their lives, and I can pray for them at that moment and engage the power of God in that particular issue. And, and we are talking about the power of God, right? This is real, right? This world will tell you you're just wasting your words because there's no God, or that God is too busy, or that God is too weak. But God is real. And God is not too busy. He's listening to you. He wants to be engaged. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Are people going to bother praying? Right? Because he wants you to engage him in your small or large problem. Right? There is no problem in your life or in other people's life that God is not interested in. And one, come and get engaged if you will engage him. So be serious and watchful in your prayers. Number three, when we want to live out of the box, we need to focus on things that have value outside of the box, things that have value beyond just the box. Uh, what are those things? Right, people, right? Because these are... Creatures made in the image of God and who have eternal souls, right? When God puts everything in the box, when Jesus comes back, one thing will not go in the box, and that's human souls. Forever with him in heaven or forever separated from him in hell, right? So the people you have in your life are the things that have the greatest value. In verse 8 it says, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And the greatest impact I have on people is when I'm with them in a relationship, right? And it could be my wife, my children, wider family circle. Uh, it can be friends. People at my church, it could be coworkers, it could be teammates, right? These are people that God brings into our lives, and when we interact with them, we have to recognize these are beings with eternal value. And if I want to live a life that has eternal value, I need to interact with these people that God brings into, I need to have a genuine relationship with them. Um, it's important to, to witness where we have opportunities. When I was um, with Jews for Jesus, we would go out and hand out tracts to people, try to engage with them in evangelistic conversation. But I've been told that for every person who's won through that kind of evangelistic outreach, 99 people are saved through normal contacts, 
friends, families, coworkers, teammates. Uh, your relationship with people matter. Your ability to share your life with them, have a real relationship with them, become a channel through which the gospel can flow. And it's not just trying to save the unsaved that's important. Encouraging believers is just as important, building them up in their most holy faith. Right? In fact, in the context, Peter seems to be speaking especially for believers with other believers. Right? My relationship with you matters. Right? I have opportunities to encourage you spiritually or any area of your life, and you have the opportunity to do the same with me. Right? Our relationship have eternal value. Love will cover a multitude of sins. Sins separate me from God, but they also separate me from people. If I, if I sin against my wife, it breaks our relationship and it makes the value that God wants to generate out of our relationship uh, fail, right? Because now there's a break. And that's why he says, love covers a multitude of sins. If my wife loves me enough, she can overlook the sin or forgive me for this, my sin, and our relationship can continue, and the benefit of the relationship will continue. So, so sin is a real problem, but according to Peter, who quotes from the Old Testament, love will cover a multitude of sins. We have the power through love to forgive one another, forgive other people who sin against us, so our relationship with them can continue and generate a value that goes outside of the box, goes from beyond this world into the next. But that was the second, sorry, the third key for living out of the box. The fourth one is to use the resources that we have in the box, right, for things that go beyond the box. Uh, he says in verse 9, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. I uh, wonder how many of you will recognize this couple who's standing with me. That's uh, Mr. and Mrs. Allensworth. I found out about Mr. Allensworth before I came to church. Sharon, um, who was living in the same uh, housing facility that I was living in, the Bay Area, uh, told me that she had a friend who wanted me to have this book. And she handed me a Hebrew New Testament. And, um, you know, I started reading it, partly because she insisted. Uh, and, uh, you know, things, you know, evolved in our relationship, and I decided to visit her church and I met Mr. Allensworth. Mr. Allensworth was the one who gave it. He had a heart for Jewish people. He used to uh, work as a, in a church as a, I don't know if the word would be a pastor to people from a Jewish background or evangelist to people from a Jewish background. He really had a heart uh, to bring the gospel to Jews. And so when he found out that Sharon had a, a Jewish friend, uh, he probably made her give me that Hebrew New Testament. And um, I came to church one Sunday, and he said, you know, great to meet you. 
can I treat you for lunch after church? I'm a student, right? You know, free lunches can't come too often. So <laughs> I went with him to lunch after church, and he took me out to lunch after church practically every week for several years. I'm going to guess it was three years. I don't know exactly how long it was. Uh, and um, today, a typical lunch per person is $10, right? So let's do 10 times three times, let's say, 50 weeks a year. That's what, $1,500, right? Mr. Allensworth, you know, was not a wealthy man, right? But he enjoyed <laughs> spending his money to be able to treat me for lunch, week after week. And uh, I don't know that I would have come to know the Lord if it wasn't for Mr. Allensworth reaching out in this way. Now, he wasn't the person who, you know, shared the gospel with me in a way that caused me to, to uh, surrender my life for Christ, but he was instrumental in that work, that hospitality, taking me out week after week, speaking, talking about the things of God, giving me opportunities to meet others because often he would invite other people to join as well. And um, when someone takes you out to a free lunch, you're more relaxed, right? Somebody else is paying. You know, you're, you're willing to listen to what they have to say. Maybe you're willing to talk more than you would talk in another atmosphere. It's one of those places where you know, the work of God can take place. The, the conversation with people, the opening of hearts, opening of minds uh, can happen. It's so important, in fact, that uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, it says, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. So there's a list of things that uh, a bishop, which another word for a bishop would be an elder, right? Someone who's shepherding the flock needs to do. Being hospitable is one of them, right? The willingness to have people over or take people out is required because without it, you'll have a really hard time doing the work of an elder, right? If you're not willing to, to, to open up to people in this way, Spend your time, spend your money, right? It, it seems like, well, you know, my money is important. I have other things that I want to do with it. This is what Jesus says. Uh, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. So we don't often think about our well-earned dollars as unrighteous Mammon, right? I worked and I earned it. But in God's eyes, our money is unrighteous mammon, right? He just sees all the path through which money gets generated and all the people who get abused in the process. And he doesn't think our money is worth very much. And he thinks it's a great trade. If you can convert your dollars into friends in heaven for all of eternity, what are you waiting for? Right? I mean, that's the way that Jesus was thinking and the way that we should think as well. 
So use the resources you have in this world. Hospitality is one of them. But uh, don't be sparing. If you could use what you have in this world, be it uh, food, house, money, time, in a way that would make a difference in people's lives, do it. Okay, uh, I think this is number five. So use the resources you have in the world was number four. Use the resources you have from out of this world would be number five. Peter says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll go ahead and stop there. I'll save that last half verse uh, for the end. Okay. Uh, according to the Bible, God has given each of us a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift. Uh, we have that described in several passages uh, in the Bible. Um, Don spoke about this, I believe, November of last year. And the message is still available. So with the limited time I have, I don't want to go through the list of spiritual gifts. Right? But there's a list in Romans chapter 12. Uh, there's a list in Ephesians uh, chapter 4. And there's a list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe. And, um, and then there's this passage here. So there's several passages. The main thing is we need to recognize the fact that God has given us a gift. And using this gift is a critical part of living out of the box. Right? If God has given you something for the purpose of serving him, then he wants you to use it, right? You don't want to leave the gift wrapped up and unused. Or you don't want to take it out as my kids do, play with it for one hour, and then it goes into the toy bin, right? It almost feels like a waste. You know, why did they give you this gift? You're just going to use it for one hour. We want them, people to use it. God's gift to us is a gift we're expected or have the privilege to use throughout the rest of our lives. Now, there are uh, a couple uh, that are listed here, right? He does talk about, uh, actually, let me, before I go there, let me go ahead and just read the passage in Ephesians 4, because it talks about the purpose that God gave us the gift. Ephesians 4, in verse 11, says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So that's the gifts. Um, or in, in that particular case, it's more like uh, persons that are the gifts for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the purpose of spiritual gift 
is to build up, if you would, the kingdom of God. Right? We understand that, and we'll talk about it. You know, it's, it's ultimately God who's doing it, but he's giving us the opportunity to co-labor with him by giving us spiritual gifts that will enable us to be part of God building of his kingdom. So two of them that are mentioned in this particular passage in Peter is speaking, right? Let him who, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. So that would be a person who, uh, like in my position today, I spent time and I, I looked at the passage and I thought through and tried to come up with good illustrations, made sure I understood it, tried to apply it uh, to the rest of you guys and, and share it, right? Hopefully as the oracles of God, meaning you understand it's not me speaking to you, it's actually God speaking to you, right? He's, he's using me and I am using the gift that he gave me, right? If I have a gift, that God has given me to serve, I should use it, right? In this case, it's sharing with you the word of God, right? Uh, next one here is he who ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. So ministering can involve a lot of things, right? Uh, for example, you know, there's a man or maybe two behind the curtains as I like to to, to say it, making sure you can hear me by having this microphone working and, uh, and recording the message so that if you think, boy, this was a great message, I want to share it with my friend, you could like send the link. Uh, those people who prepared snacks uh, for a nutrition break and we all got to enjoy it. Um, there are people who came here early in the morning and turned on the heating so we can all be comfortable here and I don't have to wear a jacket as I'm talking to you guys. So there's people teaching Sunday school rooms, watching kids. Um, there's a lot of work that goes on here and everybody who is serving in that capacity uh, is using a spiritual gift that God has given to them. Now, he does say it here that we should use it as God supplies, which means we need to recognize that these gifts are not limited by us. Uh, it's not unusual for me when I have the opportunity to speak or the responsibility to speak. Sometimes it feels like an obligation to speak. And I'm like, I don't want to speak. You know, I, I don't know what to share. I don't know what illustration to come in for that. I don't know how to explain it. I'm just busy. I have other things that I want to do. Right? I need to remember that this is not limited by me. I have to trust the Lord. It's a good time to call in that airstrike, by the way, I was talking about earlier. Right? There's a need here. There's a spiritual need. But I ultimately rely on the fact that God has given me a gift that he wants me to use. He's the power, ultimately. If any good is going to come out of my speaking... It has to be the power of God, right? If any good is coming out of ministry, out of serving, it has to be the power of God, which means we don't want to limit what we can do, right? Uh, I don't remember 
if Don spoke about, well, you know, which spiritual gift is mine? Often people are like, well, you know, I'd like to serve the Lord. I'd like to use my spiritual gift, but what is my spiritual gift? Uh, so you can certainly look at the list of spiritual gifts. Go back to that message that, that Don preached. Go back to calvarybiblechapel.org. Is that our website? You know, there's, there's messages. You know, search spiritual gifts, and you'll find it. Right? Um, but to me, one of the key for finding a spiritual gift is try to serve, right? Look for needs, try to step in, serve people, serve the church, right? We have all these lists on the back you can sign up for, right, of things that you could do. Um, get engaged, and it's in the process of serving that you're most likely to find your spiritual gift, right? You'll find that... Uh, when you participated in that ministry, the Lord brought joy to your heart, right? Um, when uh, you participated in it, people were blessed. People were spiritually get blessed. To me, those are, you know, two signs uh, that, that this is my spiritual gift. I, I enjoy doing it, and people are blessed by it. Right? Those are signs that I'm involved in exercising my spiritual gift. But I would never find it if I never tried it. Right? So you have to get involved to find your spiritual gift. As far as I know, you know, I didn't have a dream and God appeared. This is your spiritual gift. Start exercising it. I had to get involved in ministry to find what my spiritual gift is. Okay. Uh, last one, and I, 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 I tried to save this to last, but not finishing, by not finishing that last verse, uh, but it says, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. And that's when I will say, so I, think, so I think this is number six, to live out of the box, you have to live for the one who called us out of the box. Uh, I'm going to try to use this illustration. I hope it doesn't fall flat. My problem is, is that I'm, I'm a soccer fan. And I live in the United States of America where there aren't a lot of soccer fans. So, you know, I hope this doesn't fall flat. But anybody knows who that is? Yeah, I see like, you know, blank stares. All right, how about Joey? Messy. All right, so that's Messi, you know, riding down the shoulder, holding the World Cup. This was uh, in the past year, I think, was it like November or December that, that he won the World Cup? And uh, so he happens to be an Argentinian, right? And he played for the Argentinian team as their captain, uh, and he won the World Cup. Now, I am not a fan of Argentina. Right? I would, you know, if the U.S. team was any good, I'd probably cheer for them. Unless, like, Israel's team was any good, and then I would cheer for them. Right? Neither team is very good. Uh, historically, I've kind of cheered for England because I had friends from England, and England's pretty good. Right? But this time, I cheered for Argentina for the single reason that Messi was playing for them. And why is that? It's because for many years, Messi was probably the best player in the world. 
And he like won every like important title or important title for him, except the World Cup. And it was kind of clear that he was in his waning year. You know, he's just not as good. He's like 35 or something. And for those of you who know, like, you know, competitive sports, you know, once you're hitting 30, you know, it's, it's downhill from there, right? You're just, your body is just not as young and as strong as it used to be. So you could tell Messi was slowing down, and I'm like, you know, if he doesn't win the World Cup this year, he'll never win it. So I just kind of felt bad for him. And so I was cheering for, for his team and was kind of happy that he won the World Cup. Okay, why am I using him as an illustration here? Uh, number one is you could tell that even his teammates, you know, their goal for winning the World Cup was that so that Messi will have a World Cup. It's like they were playing not for themselves, but for the one they considered to be the greatest among them, right? Because they would have, some of them would have more chances. They'd have more World Cups to try to win without him. This was his chance. The other is, even though he was in his winning year, he was you know, a key person, probably the key person to allow his team uh, to win. He won, I don't know what their word is, some sort of MVP, like the best soccer player of the World Cup, something like that. So even though he's, he's already declining, he still was considered the best player in the World Cup. Without him, they could not have won. Okay. Put aside Messi. <laughs> We're here to talk about the Lord Jesus. Uh, so it says that we should do it. Why should we do all these things? Why should we live out of the box? That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We're actually doing all this not for ourselves, but for the Lord Jesus. Now, I want to be careful because, you know, I am rewarded by living out of the box. It's a good thing for me, right? But Jesus is the one who is behind the whole thing, right? He's the one who came into my life, right? He's the one who's drawing me to himself. He's the one who came into the world 2,000 years ago, and he died and was buried and rose again so that we have a gospel to share, right? I mean, we would be just wasting our breath here if it wasn't for what Jesus did. Jesus says this uh, about himself. He um, says, and he said it to Peter, how appropriate, since we're speaking here from Peter's epistle, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hate shall not prevail against it. So really what we're doing here in trying to live out of the box is simply to join ourselves to what Jesus is doing. Uh, we were worshiping here, him this morning for that reason. We realized that behind everything we're doing as a church is the Lord Jesus. We're here because the Father in his love for us, sent his only beloved son into the world. Right? That through giving up his sons for us, we could ourselves become children of God. Right? So that we could go out of the box. It's only possible because of him. Since we were talking about Messi as a captain of the Argentinian team, we're told that Jesus is our captain. In Hebrews 2.10, it says, For it was fitting for him... 
for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of our salvation perfect through suffering. So Jesus is our captain. He is our leader. We're following him. If I, if I am reaching out to people, I'm just following what Jesus is doing, right? Jesus is the one who's reaching out to people in the world, and I'm here to co-labor with his spirit. Uh, we talked about Messi being the key person behind the Argentinian team wins. Jesus is the key person behind every soul being saved, right? Nothing, nothing will happen in this world for God without Jesus himself being personally involved in what is happening. And so all these things we're doing are for the glory of Christ. Now, Messi, you know, was happy. He was riding in people's shoulders holding the trophy. But you can tell some of the other ones have on their neck a ribbon, and at the bottom of the ribbon there's a gold medal, right? So, so they shared in his glory, right? He didn't, they didn't lose anything. They didn't say, oh, we just wasted our time here, you know, you know, competing and running and sweating. And at the end of the day, it's just Messi that goes home with, with the World Cup. It's like, no, all of them were rewarded together. In Romans 8, 16, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So when, when we glorify Jesus with our lives, uh, we're not taking any glory from ourselves. Right? He made us the children of God, co-heirs of God, and glorified together with him in heaven. So just to review, because I know I shared a lot, keys for living out of the box. Number one, recognize this world can reach its end any moment, right? It happened before I finish my message. Now, I hope that we have a chance to exercise some of these things so he'll wait a week, right? But none of us will be sad if the Lord Jesus comes, right, today. But it can happen at any time. Uh, number two, remember the guy with the walkie-talkie? We all have multiple times during our day that we need, you know, to call in air support. <laughs> I know I need God to step in into my life multiple times a day. So be serious and watchful in your prayers. Look for, for those moments of weakness when you need the Lord to step in and call, call on him. Uh, recognize what it is that is of value in this world. People, right? The people around you. Uh, in this room or outside of the room. That's, that's, that's what's of real value because that does not go in the box. People do not go in the box. You're looking at eternal souls, either spending in eternity with you in heaven or separated from God in hell. Uh, remember to use what God gave you in the world. Everything you have is at your disposal to use for for the glory of God, for the benefit of people. 
right? It's, it's a good exchange. You're throwing away something that, that's going to get thrown away, right? I mean, all your money, all your possession, it's all going in the box. If you can convert any of it for something of eternal value, do it. Uh, use what God gave you out of this world. God gave you a spiritual gift. Use it for him. If you don't know what it is, uh, find out, right? Pull out that uh, message I referred to. Uh, look for opportunities to serve so you could find out what is it that God gave you. And uh, finally, uh, do, it, do it for the Lord Jesus. Right? He, he's worthy of you doing it for him. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We recognize that um, you called us to live a, a, a life out of the box, so to speak, a life that is not limited to this world, but has eternal value. And uh, we pray that you help us uh, remember this, this, uh, this message, this opportunity you've given us, the tools you've given us to, to enjoy uh, living such a life so that we could uh, rejoice uh, with what you've accomplished uh, in this world and also what you accomplished through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.